this like anti-gas stove movement is very convenient for digitization of all of our appliances. Definitely going to keep track of your calories. She always meal preps on Sunday night, <laughs> sending to headquarters. Her? <laughs> yeah. Send her ads for um, purple carrot or blue yeah. apron or whatever. Do you ever do the meal service? You don't do the meal service. Um, over my gap year, which then turned into a permanent me dropping out of college <laughs> lifetime. But her <laughs> gap lifetime. Um, but her gap, gap decade. Year, my friend Bleep and I used to do Blue Apron together, but I didn't pay for it, which is what made it really fun. Okay. Um, and then I kind of dipped my toe when I was living in DC. I dipped my toe into one of the like vegan or vegetarian ones. I wanted. It it's wasn't not as good. good as just going and buying ingredients. It, it wasn't for me. But yeah, you're a good cook, so you don't need that shit. I'm a good cook, and then I also I don't like follow rules or like any sort of plan. <laughs> I'm so deep into the like gluten free baking thing, and I'm really into baking. I huh? know, and but now I read all these recipes, and I'm like, some of these fucking people are frauds. I'm like. I read a baking recipe. I know that they don't know what they're talking about. You don't cream the sugar. No, I'm like, you're more of an expert than these frogs. Uh, yeah, That's I'm funny. like, they don't know what they're fucking talking about. Would you ever start your own like baking blog? blog? I don't know. It, it would be a good way to benefit off of this hobby that I have. This fixation. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be like a lifelong thing since I like dessert, but mm. a lot of it I can't eat. So went to D.C. Uh, for a benefit for Julian Assange slash memorial slash uh, fundraiser show. Memorial is <laughs> No, um, actually it was Fritzy Cohen, the owner of the Tabard Inn died. You know her? R.I.P. R.I.P. I'm sorry. This is the way you're learning it. Now your authentic reaction. I'm not going to have a huge reaction. I only met her a couple times, but that is sad. Yeah, I only met her a couple times, too. And we kind of arrived a little bit late. It was a car full of comedians coming down from New York. It was a full on memorial service and people were like crying and giving speeches. And then Randy wanted just a whole stand up portion. Oh, my God. This is Randy Credico. <laughs> so... Everybody, yeah, it was kind of like it's what she would have wanted, though, too. Yeah, yeah, she would have wanted her that. vibe, but it was like it was kind of a, a tough crowd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, were they prepared for comedy when they came to this? I event? mean, I guess Rand, yeah, Randy did advertise it as okay. such. So I get on stage, it's hard to get the ball rolling. People want people want to laugh, but they're like, eh, they like start laughing, and then they're like, oh, and we're here for a funeral. Like, I do a couple minutes, it's going okay and then jeremy corbin walks in he's kind of like with his handlers so he's like kind of making a, a lot of bustle a lot mm. of commotion i had to like address it i'm like all right everybody uh jeremy corbin's here yeah. and everybody stands up and cheers and applauds wow <laughs> he gets a standing ovation in the middle of my set and i'm like should i give him the microphone <laughs> And they're like, no, 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 you keep on going. And I'm like, okay, fine. I was like, just basically doing my last, my closing joke for him. Yeah. I was just like, I think you'll like it, Jeremy. And then he did like it. He was nice. He was LOLing. You got him to laugh. That's sick. Yeah, on my sick closer that... Um, well, one day I'll, I'll put it online for everyone to oh, see. Okay, we can't tell anyone now. 
But yeah, and then the following Sunday, I opened, I did a show for a bunch of podcasts and I did the same joke. It was like a live show that a bunch of podcasts like put together. There were so many podcasts on the stage. I like don't even remember all of them. It was like the majority report. This is revolution. Give them an argument. Left, something left, left reckoning. Mm. They were a little better than the funeral crowd, but um, <laughs> I was like, Jeremy Corbyn liked this joke, so if you don't, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Did you say that before or after? Before. That's funny. <laughs> anyway, so a group of islands, is that mm. right, is moving to the metaverse because they're like, yeah. we are sinking. I think it's actually one of the most interesting use cases for the metaverse we have right now. This archipelago of nine islands called Tuvalu is making a bid to become the first digital country. It's a really small country. It's a population of about 12,000. And these nine islands are between Australia and Hawaii. 12,000 people, that feels like a really small town. They're probably all sick of each other. They're like, yeah, I'm glad that this (laughs) island is disappearing in the water. Yeah, already almost half of the capital district is underwater during high tide on a regular basis. As our land disappears, we have no choice but to become the world's first digital nation. Our land, our ocean, our culture are the most precious assets of our people. And to keep them safe from harm, no matter what happens in the physical world, we'll move them to the cloud. We have no choice but to become the world's first digital nation. Mm -hmm. Yes, you do. Like you have a cho- like move, yeah. Go to a different piece of land. I think no, you don't it's, have it's to more become a digital nation. Saving now. their culture, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Yeah, that's what he says. He said the idea is to continue to function as a state, and beyond that, to preserve our culture, knowledge, history in a digital space. There are cities who've moved some of their services into the metaverse. Soul did, and what else? Soul plans on using the metaverse to do public services, events, and let people visit historical sites. And I think Barbados also says it has plans for a digital embassy, but this is the first country to say it's gonna become a quote unquote digital country. Yeah, did you not like your experience IRL at the DMV? (laughs) Well, wait until it's virtual yeah it's gonna be great though because like in one tab you'll be in line for the dmv but then in another tab you'll be watching soap cutting videos and in another tab you'll be listening to a podcast on youtube hopefully hours but yeah i wonder if there's gonna be like you know virtual economy for them Mm. and they'll have like yeah come ride the monorail of tuvalu and come visit the virtual brothel it's literally smart because i never heard of this country before and i was probably never gonna go but i might Mm -hmm. visit the digital version and give them some of my usd you know yeah (laughs) for what i don't know a prostitute i guess so visit tuvalu Visit Tuvalu. (laughs) This episode of Cargo Cult is sponsored by the Nation of Tuvalu. (laughs) This is a president. Great clip. Um, He really wanted to get his point across that his country was disappearing. So he did uh, his speech knee deep in the ocean. Right. This was in 2021. This is actually a COP26. He addressed the conference in the ocean two years ago. Climate change and sea level rise are deadly and existential threats to Tuvalu and low-lying atoll countries. We are sinking, but so is everyone else. And no matter if we feel the impacts today, like in Tuvalu, or in a hundred years, we will all still feel the dire effects of this global crisis one day. There is a huge push and there's like, people who are making it their life's work to Mm. get a lot of terrain, basically, mm. 
not only culture but um geology and and you know ecology on the metaverse to make a digital uh, replication of right. the earth and i yeah i think that a lot of this is like inspired by these long-termist beliefs that like we're going to be wiped out and we need some kind of memory of earth or else for who yeah <laughs> yeah we're gonna i thought we're gonna be wiped out for the aliens okay you know? just so there's some memory of it and yeah uh, obviously i think we're overlooking the more pressing problem of how to save the people right who will die in these disasters in 25 50 years i think we're not seeing how uh developed the metaverse can really be right now it's still kind of a janky version of a digital environment we won't see tuvalu in all of its glory i think the idea of the metaverse um kind of got away from itself in the beginning where people were just like getting the idea that like one day a switch would be flipped and we would stop being in the physical universe and start being in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. But the metaverse is not so much like an actual place as it is a description of the slow, like the fact that we're all slowly spending more and more of our time online and we're interacting more and more through digital spheres and less and less face to face, mm -hmm. right? So the idea that's like, oh, the metaverse is coming, we're gonna stop seeing each other face to face is true. It's just, it's not gonna look like one day us waking up and living in a different universe. It, this yeah. already is the metaverse, right? Like it, it's a slow process of us having more and more of our previously physical interactions through the digital space. Already we have like metaverse platforms that are trying to make a bid to become like the big metaverse monopolies. Obviously there's Meta who went as far yeah. as changing their name. Meta sunk 36 billion into its virtual reality future since 2019. But there's also like Microsoft Mesh, which is more for companies. So the metaverse is also like basically creating new markets out of thin air, right? Cause like you no longer need physical materials to sell products, right? Like virtual merchandise. But I'm really excited to become like an anti-metaverse activist. I think mm -hmm. that could be my next like rebranding. IRL. IRL, IRL. Be in person, be in person. Look me I like in the day. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> when I start seeing people like match on Bumble and then be like, let's do a, VR meeting, yeah. then I then I think we've passed into the metaverse realm. But people are doing VR meetings already in work. <laughs> I really like honestly, we really should be buying land in the metaverse. I'm so like politically anti, but like it might be a good investment. It for is a good investment. Yeah, it also has implications for organizing because. Obviously, a lot of our communications are already subject to surveillance. The one thing that we still have is like person-to-person -person meeting. Like if we wanted to, we could still gather in person, not bring any digital devices. It's it's really hard to do that in a mm -mm. city because there are cameras and microphones everywhere, but it's still theoretically possible, right? Even mm. though it's highly improbable. Once more and more of our interactions are online and, you know- They can be more easily monitored. Yeah, monitored and controlled, exactly. And I don't really have anything against like law enforcement. Ooh. No, law enforcement, <laughs> like following your public posts. 
I think that is fair game. I hear what you're saying. It's not that you don't have anything against it. You just understand that it's going to happen. It's expected. It's expected and right. you should expect it. Right. Criminal who's should, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, announcing sure. your crime. Anything you're putting online, you should assume will, you know, can, is, will be used against you. Just like anything you do, period. Yeah. For sure. And sure, you could say that's chills speech. But I mean, if you're talking about killing someone. Right. <laughs> like, AI. There's so much AI news coming out. I feel like we're going to be talking about it like every time on the podcast. A lot of hype, a lot of anger towards chat GPT and excitement. So one story, there's so many stories about it, but I think one that was really funny to me was like chat GPT passed a Wharton MBA exam and mm. it's still in its infancy. One professor is sounding the alarm. What is she sounding the alarm about? I don't know. Business school being a scam? Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's like, I actually, mean, but it's like, yeah, it's fucking AI. A okay. school exam. Yeah. It's like you have to just memorize and like who's better at memorization than a robot? Yeah, it's know? not only, yeah, but they're like scraping the internet and answering these multiple choice questions. Like that isn't a huge leap forward. If I, I could use the internet during my exams at school I would have gotten an A plus on every yeah, single one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't understand that. And I've heard of like high school teachers using ChatGPT. Okay, like let's look at an essay written by ChatGPT and you see that it's so bad and you use that as a to- like a teaching yeah. tool. Like let's correct Is it. Is that what they're doing? And yeah, that's what some that's teachers funny. are doing. There's already so many tools for people to cheat out there. Yeah. When I was teaching, I would enter every student's essay into this software that would kind of check the internet for anything that the student copied. And ChatGPT right now is just copying things from the internet. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's CNET who's like, we have an AI ChatGPT journalist working for us. What ended up happening was just that this bot ripped off other people's articles. Of course. And, and also had like inaccuracies. It was bad writing. Mm. So it's... It's not quite there. And of course, like so much money is being poured into ChatGPT that like we're going to see it get better and better and better. Mm. I just don't, I I think it's going to be a long time before the chat is going to be able to write an essay that will pass through the plagiarism software. Sure. But if I'm in like fifth or sixth grade, it may be like inaccurate. It may be like a a little poorly written, but that's how a fifth or sixth grader writes anyway. It's very flawed. True, true. Yeah, a lot of writing will have to be done in class. I just think that there's so much work that needs to be done in the classroom that people are being sent home with. And yeah, like, yeah, when I was teaching, like the kids would, uh, I would ask them to do like outlines on a chapter in a textbook. And I was like, hey, if it's really dense for you, watch the video and take notes. A bunch of kids would just like find the outlines on the internet, print them out Mm -hmm. and bring them in and try to pass it off as their own work. What? That's crazy. That sounds horrible. But I I'm never like, did that. At how school. do you all have identical <laughs> outlines? So kids will do anything. I mean, but they that's still, still resourcefulness. <laughs> yeah, You're, that's the real world. It's not about the climate; it's about the result in academia. Unfortunately, yeah, the way education was going already, and I'm thinking like K through 12, the direction was going like so much more work is and like hands-on work is going to be done in the classroom mm. and. 
less and less things are going to be taken yes, home. The anti-homework movement. The anti-homework movement and homework should just be like enrichment and stuff. Mm. But In other chat GPT news. Yes, yeah, so Time Magazine recently came out with a piece exposing OpenAI for using Kenyan workers who were making less than $2 an hour to do a lot of the heavy lifting, like a lot of the legwork on making the chat GPT answers right. And this is not really surprising, right? Because companies are always gonna look to find the cheapest labor possible. Mm. Um, OpenAI is not alone here. So one of the challenges OpenAI had to overcome when they were making this chatbot was to make sure that it wouldn't produce like hate speech, violence mm. promotion. They wanted to like detect these forms of what Time Magazine is calling toxicity, right? Mm -hmm. And so they needed to create this detector for ChatGPT to make sure that the training data was being filtered before it would actually reach the end user. In order to scrub all this like toxic content, OpenAI sent tens of thousands of snippets of text to an outsourcing firm in Kenya. The outsourcing partner was this San Francisco company that employed people in Kenya, Uganda, India to label the data for clients like OpenAI and also for like Google, Meta, and Microsoft. So this is the other side of the AI industry, right? Yeah, so while billions are being poured into things like OpenAI, there's also another kind of parallel industry of micro work mm -hmm. and click work that gets outsourced and people are paid pennies for these jobs. There's always an underbelly, like whenever this like fun, new, sustainable, yeah. green, innovative, like whatever, you know, marketing lingo they put on it. It's never great, right? Under capitalism, it always means that something really horrible is happening, usually in Africa or yeah. India. And so there's definitely people being exploited in the process. Not only are they moderating, perhaps they're teaching the a lot of labor is going into these chatbots. You might think that it's a great poem that they're writing, mm. but it's really just a Somali refugee like Yo, you got you got his experience. Thank these laborers for making sure that you didn't get like a racist slur in your ChatGPT response. The Time article says, the data labelers employed on behalf of OpenAI were paid a take-home wage of between around $1.32 and $2 per hour, depending on seniority and performance. Wow, love that there's room for growth here. Yeah. There's upward mobility. You can you can make up to $2 okay. um, if you hit those if seniority ranks. If you do ranks. not sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's using this kind of click work. For example, Tesla to program its uh, amazing auto automatic driving feature. What do they call it? Autopilot feature. What is mm. it? Self-driving. So Tesla autopilot, famously known for the Tesla autopilot crash. Yeah. <laughs> there are several. Yeah. But they um they outsourced a lot of the work of like recognizing specific uh landmarks and you needed a human to tell mm. the machine what is a person, what is a road. Right, right. And speaking of, you know, electric cars. There's also the issue of lithium batteries, right? Like we we like to think of like electric cars as this like green, awesome alternative to dirty, bad fossil fuels, right? Yeah. But it's not really that green because these minerals have to come from somewhere, right? So the electric car industry is, you know, it's not as much of a revolutionary shift as its promoters and PR campaigns want us to believe. Yeah, I think we should always keep that in mind when we're talking about 
the amazing advances in chat GPT and self-driving. There's always going to be exploited people on the other end of that. Right. Not only the exploited labor, but for example, with lithium extraction, you're going to have toxic chemicals from the mining processes mm. leaking into people's water supplies, right? Yeah. You can't expect to have clean water these days. Come on. Who needs clean water when you can buy a bottle of Essentia in the metaverse? Exactly. That'll quench your virtual body. So recently, yeah. there was an AI lawyer that was supposed to be launched into mm. the courtroom for the very first time. Really? There's a company called Do Not Pay. Uh, Joshua Browder is a founder and he prepared this AI lawyer to deal with parking tickets so it can come with you to traffic court, divorce proceedings, and the, the AI lawyer had already launched on the website but it hadn't had its first court date yet mm. and he was supposed to go to court and then the bar association was like if you do this you're gonna go to jail for six months and he's like ah oh, never mind <laughs> and so he pulled the lawyer bot and right now do not pay is just like a, a chat bot that helps you negotiate your um like negotiate yourself out of you know fees from nice. bills with Comcast and stuff like that. Do like, not pay was also the name of the firm that OpenAI outsourced its yeah So when people were testing this AI lawyer, they mm. would basically fill out all the documents like, "Hi, I'm trying to get custody of my kids," and they're like, "Oh yeah, okay, we'll get you your documents back in eight hours." <laughs> and it was like clearly somebody else on the other. End, right like doing, doing the busy work <laughs> i wonder what he looks like is there a picture of the ai does he look like anything what race should the ai lawyer mm -hmm. be okay what else is on the docket i wanted to talk about darpa's insect allies program um it's not really a new story but it is ridiculous and you know what guys this is not a news show okay this is a technology podcast, all right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're, I think it's important to cover like recent history, the past 10 years, because there's a lot of things that- And ancient history. And ancient history, yeah, that's, there's technology. The yeah, wheel. Yeah, true. <laughs> Do an episode. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people love fire. Yeah, Soon we could talk banned. about the written word. Yeah, yeah, and look like, at us now. Yeah, <laughs> people used to have all of the Iliad memorized, and yeah. we're like, if you uh, don't have the entire Iliad memorized, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> okay, so DARPA's idiots. Insect Allies program. Uh, this is a $45 million program that was launched in 2016, funded by DARPA, which is the Defense Advanced Project Research Agency. Friend of the pod. It's a bad name and it's kind of a mouthful, but it's the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. So this Insect Allies program, funded by DARPA and happening at Penn State, Ohio State, University of Texas, and Boyce Thompson Institute in Ithaca, all friends of the pod, aims to use insects such as aphids or white flies to infect crops with tailor-made viruses, aka genetically modified viruses that can deliver certain genes to plants. 
Mm-hmm. So it's basically gene therapy for crops, right? We're creating genetically modified viruses to be carried out by these bugs. Ostensibly, the goal, according to DARPA, is to protect plants, right? They're like, hey, you know, other countries might be working on, you know, attacking our crops, so we need to do this research. Mm. This is quite often the justification for a lot of defense programs, right? And uh, scientists have raised the alarm, right? They were like, we don't need you to program insects. It's definitely going to be used in a military way. Right. So even even though DARPA is saying like, hey, we just want to protect plants, from emerging threats, these five scientists came out saying like, hey, this type of technology could be used to spread disease to almost any crop species. And they also say this kind of research may be in breach of the Biological Weapons Convention. And analysts say it's definitely in violation of the spirit of the BWC. Yeah, like are these gonna be aphids that are gonna help the crops or is it gonna be like aphid orange, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like imagine this in the hands of a government that wants to create genetically modified viruses to attack an adversary's food crops. It's like, you know, when Agent Orange manufactured by Dow Chemical, Monsanto, Diamond, Hercule, and I think a couple others, not only were up to like 1 million people either disabled or given like um, health problems because of Agent Orange. We also had birth defects, right? We had the environmental Mm. damage, like the effect on species diversity. So these five scientists are like, can we not? It's probably (laughs) going to start an agricultural weapons race, which is just what we need. Exactly. We need people to be fighting with corn. And yeah, and then DARPA was like, this is a smear campaign yeah. against our lovely aphid orange. Let's give the other side. Okay. DARPA is here for our protection. Why do you think they put the D in front of ARPA so many years ago, right? Because remember, it's it used to be the Advanced defense. Research Project Agency. And then they were like, well, that doesn't sound amazing. So let's make it very defensive. And without DARPA, you guys wouldn't be able to listen to us right now because DARPA is the agency that created the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Back then, it was called ARPA before they decided that it was probably better from a marketing standpoint to have the word defense in there. But yeah, people often forget that the internet itself was created by the Pentagon as a counterinsurgency tool. Journalist and author Yasha Levine. Surveillance Valley, right? Yeah, he wrote Surveillance Valley. He basically tells the story about how DARPA created the internet. Back then, it was called ARPANET. The Pentagon wanted basically this counterinsurgency tool to monitor and control dissent, Mm -hmm. obviously, um, and also give the military this like bird's eye view vision of the world. A lot of internet companies that we know today were seeded by DARPA, like Google, like Google literally came into being because of a Pentagon grant. And now the internet's very privatized, right? Like as it has been over the past few decades, but the Pentagon um, seeded a lot of these companies in the beginning. I actually, I can, should I get his book? It's behind me. No, I like the paraphrasing. Okay, okay. Here's a quote from Yasha Levine. In the paper that Sergey Brin and Larry Page, friends of the pod, wrote for Stanford that outlines the technology behind Google search, they explicitly call out DARPA by name for funding the research and for allowing it to happen in the first place. So this program is brought to you by DARPA, without which we would not have the internet. I'm checking out for aphids um no it's a silver pothos by the way it's beautiful it's a propagation of that plant over there i want i want a cutting um you can have a cutting i guess you could have that one let's stick it in some sphagnum
What's sphagnum? You can't stick a cutting that was in water directly into soil. They're used to like a lot more oxygen in the water. And oh. when you put them in soil, they kind of like it's, it's a culture shock. Yeah, it's a culture shock. Okay. So there's an intermediary. Of Got it. Using moss or some people put dirt into water to get them to kind of transition to dirt. I just repotted all my plants and I have like a little bit of extra dirt if you want it. I'll take it. <clears throat> oh, yeah. In other AI news, DARPA created an AI robot that would recognize people and they got one of the most elite marine crews to mm. kind of face the robot and try to trick them. Ooh. And one Marine was just like doing somersaults. Fuck yeah. One was hiding in a box and one got like a branch of a tree and and just put it <laughs> in front of it. <laughs> um, so two of the Marines somersaulted toward the center of the traffic circle. Um, another pair shuffled toward the robot under a ca- cardboard box. One Marine even stripped a nearby fir tree and was still... Able to reach the robot like a fir tree and (laughs) touch the robot. So the robot failed the whole exercise. Yeah. Just so we know, our elite soldiers are out there doing the Lord's work. Right. The Pentagon's Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, that is a mouthful, has invested some of its resources into a robot that's been trained to identify humans. There's just one little problem mm. the robot is easy to confuse i mean it's it's scary because like imagine being a u.s enemy and having this robot soldier come after you which <laughs> has been so perfectly trained by the marines to recognize a human in all forms including yeah. somersaults <laughs> yeah an amazon shipping box yeah like. when these articles come out they, they do irk me because it kind of sometimes paints a picture of like bumbling you know military personnel like not being Mm -hmm. able to to make a kill a robot perfectly and it's like i think the real story here is that they're even trying to train a robot in the first place and like yeah it's not perfect right now but it it eventually will be a killer robot with yeah you know horrible consequences for humanity around the world (laughs) as technology advances the military personnel will become more and more removed from the actual act of violence Mm -hmm. that they're committing right the act of killing so like now we already have drone pilots which is very removed but at least you're still pressing the button even though it's like very gamified you can combat from home yeah and and i'm sure there are so many people in dc who would just have like you know especially during covid quarantine we're like i guess i gotta rig up my monitors that are you know focused on waziristan three waziristan (laughs) and two pakistan somalia yemen like on one monitor, he has the village that he's getting ready to murder. Split screen is like a cartoon. And then on another monitor, he's streaming someone playing a game split screen with a slime video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, he gets brought in to talk about his accuracy. So DARPA calibrated its robot's human recognition algorithm alongside a group of U.S. Marines. The Marines and a team of DARPA engineers spent six days walking around the robot training it to identify moving human form. On the seventh day, the engineers placed the robot at the center of a traffic circle Mm. and devised a little game. The Marines had to approach the robot from a distance and touch the robot without being detected. I'm glad these losers who couldn't get a job <laughs> elsewhere and had to join the Marines are having fun yeah. at this like extended adult summer camp. I'm not going to shit on the Marines, but why not? Because you never know. Because I have SWAT team comes dated through the a window. few in D.C. and they were so mad when I implied that 
anybody in the military was dumb. So now you're scared to badmouth them? Yeah, Did they a little. domestic abuse you? Or- <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like there's, okay, so there's a de facto draft in this country if you're from if you're from a certain of course i mean like there there's that whole school of thought where it's like hey don't get mad at the police don't get mad at the u.s military because they were economically drafted because they had you know little job prospects where they wanted health care you know the military will go into poor school districts and recruit in like really gross ways like of course but in aggregate shaming the military is a net positive. Also, a lot of them aren't going into combat. They're doing little training exercises. But okay, think about it this way. It's like, okay, let's say we deploy a bunch of robots in the next country that the US invades. Yeah, maybe sometimes the humans will outsmart the robots, but when the humans get the robots, we're not losing life. But when the robots get the humans, we are. Yeah, I mean, we should be paying attention to them, but right now it's not a problem. So I think the... Yeah, the uh, in our lifetime, it probably won't be. You don't think we're gonna get killer robots? Not in our lifetime, yeah. I, or like, the, like sentient the, like, AI robots who right. like go haywire. And I, I just don't think the technology is going to be that advanced. So, um. There are open psyops girls on TikTok trying to get people to think that joining mm. the military is cool. Let's check out some of these girls. And one is actually verifiably employed right. by the psyops division. Um, her name is Lujani. She's 20 years old. <laughs> So she like paints on these freckles and she's just like, look how cute I am in Mm. my military uniform. This is also like part of this like larger disturbing trend of adults acting like children Uh on the internet. And even the US military is getting in on it. But she's 20 years old. I feel like she is a kid. If you look at some of her other videos, they're all in the same style. It's Mm -hmm. like just her being like a cute little baby. Okay, here's don't go to college. Go to the military. You guys don't need to commit to college. Don't commit to college. Be a farmer. Be a farmer. Okay. Be a, be a coal miner. Be a factory worker. Be a lumberjack. Don't go to school. What? Oh, you want to be a... You want to be a metaverse product designer. Fuck you. And don't buy impossible meat for the trend. If you're if you're a vegetarian because of dietary reasons, fine. I'm not going to harp on you because I've been there too. All right, I'm an ex-vegetarian. So here's an article in Days Digital. Mm. How e-girl influencers are trying to get Gen Z into the military. Right. Recruitment's down. Recruitment is down. So they need Purse to be- tempo they, is down. You need to make a Ups. center part. Yeah. Have some wide legs and be like, you, <laughs> you get wide leg camos. And yeah. you could be like, hey, kids, and stand this, like this is the new cool thing. Um, so cosplay commandos are posting nationalist thirst traps to mobilize the simps. And so this- Hold on, I just need a second to process the term nationalist thirst traps. I Yeah, I kind of see those American flag bikinis and I'm like, I think I could pull one off. Mm. It'd look cool. Like where it's like the 
the stars are here and the stripes are here. Yeah. And then the bottom is just stripes, I guess. I think I could pull that off as an ironic thing. Is there a way to do the American flag ironically, though? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess you could do upside down. Because false flag. Like, yeah, true. False flag. False flag. Um. So Lujan is a 20-year-old who actually is employed by the PSYOPs division right. of the military. And she's posting nationalist thirst traps right. of her and her gear mm. like out doing military exercises and is like hey kids don't go to college join the military this is the infamous army psyop e-girl you may have heard about on twitter and it's kind of amazing that the army is just like yeah go with it roll with it and she like has her own merch and everything that call- i doubt it's yeah go with it roll with it i bet it was it was their idea at first like you know I don't you think, think she, so? Yeah. You think she didn't? You think she didn't come up with the idea to sell sweatshirts? <laughs> yeah. I think if the army didn't want it to happen, they would have shut it down. So she shares cutesy unboxing compilations and makeup tutorials. Mm. Get ready with me videos and lip syncs. Mm. And she jokes just about a, war just, bunkers. Yeah. So. Nothing to see here. Just another Gen Z content creator who happens to be employed by the Army's PSYOPs division. No big deal. And she plays with remote control tanks mm. um, and like has overlays with sparkles and heart emojis. Mm-hmm. And um, Should we t- take a look at the video? Yeah, let's look at the Army PSYOP girl. Okay, so here's her kind of ranting. Mm-hmm. Well, but first we should do... Something kind of funny, you kind of cool, it gets taken down. Hey, Zach, that's so better than psych. Please don't follow my Instagram. Hey, so this is Haley Lujan, yeah. And um, her freckles are definitely painted on. You ever tried yeah. those freckle paint on freckles? No, but it's like a common makeup thing, yeah. I trend, like, yeah. I tried them once and it looked like I had cancer, really? and my friend was like. I feel you like you would look cute. <laughs> Don't make me talk about sunscreen again. You I'm should. not ready for this conspiracy theory. <laughs> I'm like, I've invested too much money into my SPF that I oh. cannot, <laughs> I cannot be told right now. I get the you know expensive stuff so I don't break out in acne. But anyways, here's Lou Han yelling at my phone on the floor on a Sunday night. To commit to college, don't commit to college. Be a farmer. Be a farmer. Be a soldier. Be a coal miner, be a factory worker, be a lumberjack. Don't go to school. What? Oh, you want to be up. Don't you need soybean farmers yeah. for the Impossible Burgers? Okay. I mean, like, no, there's truth to that. Like, because um, it's like She's big. Been brainwashed. <laughs> no, I mean, like, you know, broken You're clocks like, are right twice freckles. a day. Yeah. I'm lost in those freckles. <laughs> she looks good. <laughs> She looks good. I'm not doing anything tomorrow. I could sign up for the military. No, there's truth to that because um, uh, big companies like Impossible or whoever like are eliminating small farmers. I see. Yeah. So anyway. So I'm, she's like, go into the dying industry, farming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah, and single-handedly bring back the importance of farming by not eating impossible I mean, burgers. when she says don't go to college – be a farmer and I'm, a, I'm there yeah. and then she says join the military and I'm out I mean that's objectively true the tax write off thing but 
anyone can say true things. Yeah, yeah. So someone I follow on Twitter, he was talking about the military psyops girl, right? So this person tweeted, um, lots of people are mad at the army psyop e-girl, but I feel bad for her because she's at Fort Bragg, so she's probably weeks from being found decapitated with her body stuffed full of heroin or something. (laughs) (laughs) And she posted that to her Instagram story. And she said, I love Fort Bragg. They would never kill me. (laughs) Yeah, she's got too high of a profile to be killed at this point. Yeah, and they definitely like... That's how she like saves her own life. She's like, I'm documenting every minute of (laughs) this. Exactly. But it's that, I mean, what she's doing is at the very least Fort Bragg sanctioned, if not directed. Definitely sanctioned. Um, Then we have gun waifu Natalia Fideev who's an IDF soldier, and I mean, she has millions of followers. She's gotta be making money. I guess if you want that to be your brand, if you don't have anything else, you could definitely be uh, defending Israel as a brand. I think Israel wants their brand to be that as opposed to genocide and apartheid. They want their brand to be like little soldiers having fun, just children having a good time. Yeah. Online. Psyops are real people. Remember our our episode on Psyops on our other podcast way back when? The um justification for the first Gulf War right. were was when Iraq invaded Kuwait. There was a Kuwaiti ambassador's daughter who came and testified in front of Congress, was giving acting coaching and lessons and mm-hmm. made up this story about Iraqi soldiers coming into a hospital and tossing babies out of incubators. Mm. While I was there, I saw the Iraqi soldiers come into the hospital with guns. They took the babies out of the incubators. Took the incubators and left the children to die on the cold floor. And it was completely fabricated. And that was that was what helped launch us into war, got the media buy-in, and great story all around. How could you be against going and saving dying babies in incubators, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think that's that's a thing that you see come up once, like, uh, it's definitely come up in the Ukrainian war mm-hmm. or the war on Ukraine. <laughs> and yeah. uh, where they're like maternity wards are being bombed. Mm. Or you, you'll hear the babies in incubators story. Mm-hmm. It's it's evolved from the babies on bayonets discourse mm-hmm. that originated in World War One when there were all these illustrations of German soldiers Carrying little babies on, like kebabs oh, right. on their bayonets. And this was the kind of lore that was passed around. And it really, people love to save children. There's nothing that Americans love more than children. Yeah, there's they nothing love Americans them. love more than a savior complex. Yeah, they love watching children. They love having Fucking sex children. with children. Yeah, yeah. it's a great we American two degrees pastime. away from that joke, so we had to do it, my friends. <laughs> we love children. We had to. We had to. One of Musk's projects, Starlink, is finally back in the news. Remember, Starlink helped save Ukraine from a blackout, and um, he like gave Ukraine free Wi-Fi for a long time, which mm-hmm. was actually subsidized by the U.S. government. But now scientists are raising the alarm that there are so many satellites in Earth's atmosphere mm. that they can't see 
shit. Basically, all these unregulated satellites like Elon Musk's Starlink. I don't want to single him out, but he's one of the bigger ones. Mm -hmm. Basically, we're going to have asteroids approaching Earth, but we won't see them because these satellites are too busy providing, you know, high def porn for people in your rural Ukraine. Right. (laughs) And like, while everybody's fucking and sucking or watching fucking and sucking and jerking off, we're going to be hit by an asteroid. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's a narrative around Elon Musk right now where like a lot of like alt like right wingers will be like Elon Musk is like yeah. speaking out against the establishment. He did say Paul Pelosi might be gay. So did he really? Our, he tweeted like a link. He tweeted a link to an article that was like Paul Pelosi might my, my, it might have been his gay lover that attacked him. That's yeah. funny. People want to paint Elon as this anti-establishment figure, but like he's setting up internet service for Ukraine. What? I'm just wondering if your phone was in the shop. It might be, but it's okay. It's not a secret that I have a phone. It's a tech pod. Anyway, okay, take three on trying to get this thought out. People want to paint Elon Musk as this anti-establishment figure, but he's the guy that set up Starlink's internet service for Ukraine, very in line with the U.S. establishment, anti-Russia, pro-Ukraine. Again, very in line with the establishment when he set up broadband services to help um, anti-Iranian protesters. The right wants to be like, oh, he's sticking it to the establishment. It's like he's... He's just another, I mean, like the right has no class analysis, which is their main issue, right? Mm. It's like Elon Musk is never going to be in opposition to the transnational capitalist ruling class. Exactly, yeah. Even though maybe he argues about some culture war stuff with like quote unquote liberals on Twitter. like. But yeah, that stuff is just not real. Yeah. how, How seriously can we take these culture war shits? Yeah. Well... When DARPA created the internet, this is probably exactly what they had in mind. All right, that's it. See you next time. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.